from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this almost Christmas week edition of the Wow Report. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> We're counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go ho. Wow. <laughs> I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. Hello, hello, hello. And number number one ho, James St. James, editor of The Wow Report. All right. It never gets old. It doesn't, exactly. Let's get into the countdown at number 10. Number 10. Christmas came early this week at World of Wonder because there were some incredible announcements made all week long. Uh, a little show we produced called RuPaul's Drag Race, the United States version, the original, the, 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 the original recipe um, was announced this week. Season 15 was announced this week. Season Crazy. 15. We've been doing this for 15 years. Um, big headline news. It's going to air for the very first time on MTV. For many, many years, we were on VH1. Before that, we were on Logo. They're all part of the now Paramount family. So we're still with the same wonderful group of people. But we're on MTV, which I think is exciting. So 15 years, RuPaul's Drag Race. Guess what happened? Fenton knows. Guess what happened 30 years ago? James? On MTV. RuPaul was born. Basically, supermodel of the world, You Better Work. Made its debut. It was in heavy rotation and changed the world. First drag queen and heavy rotation MTV 30 years ago in MTV. So 15 years, you know, 30 years later, full circle, you know, RuPaul ageless, right? He looks younger than he's ever looked. Um, we have 16 queens. You can go online to the Wow Report to get sort of the introduction to the 16 queens. It's the most queens we've ever had before. Um, I've read in the comments that people are worried that we're going to do a lot of saving and, and the season will go on oh, for a hundred so episodes. It's end up being 42 episodes for the season, something like that. If, if you do your double savings and no savings and I don't want to, I don't want to give away any too much stuff cause I'll get fired. But I just want to say, you know, people, people, if people want eliminations, Oh, they're going to get eliminations. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> they're going to get eliminations. Um, and the kind of the brightest news of all, and the one of the most exciting things that happened this season, and many exciting things, exciting people, Ariana Grande is our oh, extra yeah. special premiere guest. We're doing uh, starting on a Friday, January sixth, so we can rebrand January sixth as something good and not something bad. Two years later, um, it's a two part premiere. Both parts, Ariana is in. You meet all 16 queens. It's a must-see night of television. And the little behind the scenes I can tell is Ariana, who'd been on the show before when uh, she had she just released uh, uh, Break Free. You know, she and she had just finished um, the day she came to see us. She came around at noon, noon, and at 6 a.m. she had just wrapped the Bang Bang video shoot with Nicki Minaj and Jesse J. And when we told her that, she's like, oh, my God. She goes, I don't remember anything from that time. <laughs> you know, she was just so busy. <laughs> she was just so busy. She was, you know, doing one thing after another. So she came. She participated. She had so much fun. She's a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race and, and loves the queens and knows the details of the show. And it's just you guys um, would love her. I got a chance to spend a little time with her. She still <laughs> travels with her mom. You know, it's like it's just it's so sweet. And, and she's uh, also 
stunningly beautiful in real life. Stun- like like skin, hair, everything. She's got no. skin and hair. She's stunning. No, but it's no. beautiful. It's like you coveted it. It's a godlike. Yeah. When was she on the show the first time, Tom? I, I can't remember the season, but she had just um, – she was an extra special guest. So she wasn't our original judge, but um, she brought us a song called Break Free. This is the part where I say I don't want to – Because – um, I remember Nolan went to that taping and yeah. met her and got a bunch of photos with her that are so sweet. And it's shocking to think little Nolan turned 16, 16 this week. So it's like yeah. just time like flies. It must be must have been a good few years ago. I feel like it was season seven, but I might be wrong. I, I, I've lost track myself, but I'm so happy and so grateful, as I always say, that Drag Race continues. And I really think it's a good season. I feel like, the, you know, the queens bring it to you every season, you know, as does Rue and Michelle and Carson and Ross are back. And T.S. Madison is on more than ever. And there's a bunch of other celebrity guest judges who I'll tell you later because it hasn't been released yet, but it's it's star-studded. And it's it's everyone who comes has a great time. And I, I hope people really enjoy uh, MTV RuPaul's Drag Race starting January 6th. No, but and I also I just... saw on Twitter, I saw that um, season 16 has been renewed. It's been renewed for six, season 16. And um, I, they just made a list of all the different, you know, uh, ones around the around the world. And it's up to like 17 or 18 of them now. It's it's, uh, it's in 17 countries. 17 countries. 24 productions. Because wow. some countries are doing more than one. Some yeah, countries are all doing stars and things like yes, that. And yes, and versus uh-huh. the world. And um, but people say there's too much drag race. Focus on the U.S. version just for today. Just for today, <sighs> January sixth. It's it's the original recipe. You can't get enough of it. Oh, and you've, now I can't say that the new versions of Brazil and Mexico and Germany are, are all coming. So, but you know, all the future. But the, yeah, very exciting news yes, around the world. Exactly, January sixth. Thank you. All right, let's move on to number nine. Number nine. Well, I watched The Banshees of Inishirin on HBO Max. It debuted this week. It's out of the theaters and on HBO. And it is absolutely spectacular. It what is, is it? Awesome. What? What it's is a it? movie. The Banshees of Inishirin. You haven't heard about this? Have Farrell. I've is- heard the title, and I thought the title was like, do not watch this movie. No, like, no, 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 watch no, no, a film no, no, called Banshees of I won't hear it. I won't hear any of this. I want to tell you that it is Oscars all around. It is Colin Farrell. It, it, unbelievable role. I can't believe you haven't seen the commercials for this because it's these two men. They're on a small island called Inishirin off the coast of Ireland. And um, the one who is played by Brendan Gleeson um, is uh, says to just in the very beginning, he says, I don't want to be your friend no more. I think you're dull. I don't want anything to do with you. They've been friends their whole lives. And one day he just says, I don't want to be friends with you no more. And Colin Farrell's character says, but that's not very nice. And it starts off as this sort of like black, dark comedy about the ending of a friendship of these two men who the one man will have nothing to do with him anymore. And it, it keeps getting darker and darker and bleaker and bleaker and blacker and blacker and more <laughs> violent. It, it's, it, it, gets, it goes in this crazy, crazy direction that you don't suspect is coming. But like I said, Oscars all around for uh, Colin Farrell and for Brendan Gleeson, who plays the older man who doesn't want anything to do with him. But 
there is this young kid, a standout. His name is Barry Kean, I think is his name. Barry Kean is he plays this sort of tr- sweetly troubled young youth on the island. And he has this one scene. And if you know the movie, you know what I'm talking about. He's standing by the lake and he has a scene. And he is astonishing. It is heartbreaking. It is one of the best acted scenes I have ever They will be studying this scene for decades to come. When I say, if you can get an Oscar for one line, he has this one line that literally I had to pause and cry for about 15 minutes. The, the line reading he gives this one line is the best acting I have ever seen on film ever. He is this young kid. He's been in a bunch of movies. He was just in the Batman. He's in a bunch of up and coming things. He's a young Irish actor. And when I tell you that it is the most heartbreaking thing that you will ever see, it, he just get, has five words that will leave you breathless. It is Without- weird, too, because Colin Farrell, it's interesting to watch his career because the farther he gets, the older he gets and the less pretty he becomes, the better actor he is. And, you know, he's far away from the young pretty boy roles of the early 2000s. And when he started doing, like, um, those Yorgos Lanthimos movies, The Lobster, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, you started to see his acting chops when he did In Bruges. You started to see it. Um and this is this is probably the best thing he's ever done, and it's just absolutely fascinating to watch this movie. It's a Without very dark oiling movie. the plot. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the moral of the movie? Can you sum up the moral of the movie? Well, it's it's about the ending of uh, it's about the ending of friendships. It's about male male friendships and how they sometimes end, and how um, you can you can hurt somebody. Just it's about hurt. It's about anger. It's about retribution. It's about the ending of a friendship. And it's these it's these poor people live. There's about forty people living on this island off the coast of Ireland in the 1920s, and they're all poor and they're all they're all dysfunctional in some way and they all just sort of come together as like an island of misfit toys to it's just beautiful So if you did a radio show every week with people that you pretended were your friends on the air but underneath it there was a lot of hurt and wound that's kind of would would i be able to relate to it if i were that kind of person it's very sort of like beckett or pinter or it's very existential it's very much like a, a play but it's it's just absolutely stunning I had to look up uh, Banshee because I wasn't quite sure. I just didn't think it was terribly a good thing. And it it's a female spirit in Gaelic folklore whose appearance wail or wailing warns that one of them will die soon. Is yeah, that a and there's an old crone on the island. There's a, a, an old crone who is like 106 years old. She's played by this fabulous actress. And she is probably the banshee of Inner Sheeran. And she says, she comes on and she says, by the end of the day, two people will be dead on this island. And that's two, there'll be two deaths is what she says. Sounds saying. like the movie version of White Lotus. Well, we're going to be talking about that in a little bit too. But this is this is a masterclass of acting on everyone, everyone's right. heart. All right, Banshees of Inisherin on HBO Max. All right, number eight. Number eight. It had to come to this. Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Please go on. Please Six respect five. my privacy during this uh, segment. Go ahead. Uh, well. I will give you the headline. I don't know what to think. Is 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 like I started to watch it, 
and I immediately felt I was like throwing up. I immediately was sort of somewhat repulsed by what I felt was just the framing of the thing felt so self-pitying and victory. Uh, and then thinking, uh, you know, Harry's in the in the uh, in the airport lounge, except he's not in the airport lounge. It's called the Windsor Suite. And I'm like, what is the Windsor Suite at Heathrow Airport? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait. this is jealousy because you thought you had. I don't have to worry. It's a lounge I will never go in, nor will you, James. (laughs) You thought you were such a VIP and now come to find out you are not. No, it's just paradox. My point is it's a bit of a paradox to be complaining about how awful your life is sitting in a VIP suite, so VIP, no one except the royal family go in it. It's but, but then, well, okay, so one reviewer wrote, Quote, I love this quote. I wish I knew who'd written it, but I, I, a viewer really has to be on board the royal soap opera bus not to be bored out of one's mind by Harry and Meghan. Not that anyone on it rides a bus. So, you know, that was a great well, line. And here's the thing. You're absolutely right about this because you think that this is this royal soap opera that that's like that, 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 all these headlines for years and years and years, and there's drama and da da da, and it is the most deadly dull piece of, of of reality television that I've ever watched. Match, and it is what eight episodes, something like that. It could have been done in a twenty minute live with Kelly, and and you know, it's like it literally could have been taken care of on the View in one segment. Well, I do think there is a little a lack of reality in the sense that actually it's a lot of them talking about themselves and how they feel and not a lot of doing stuff. I mean, there was one yeah. interesting sequence where they drive from a garage to another garage and they're worried about the paparazzi following them. And and you felt something in that. Well, I did feel I did feel for them. But then um, there was the other scene where she's talking, she's making fun of how she has to curtsy for the queen, and you just think these people are disgusting. These people she, like have no sense of self. Like they're they're just they're it's all about them. I would I would quote my favorite uh, radio personality, James St. James, when I would say, "Read the fucking room." <laughs> Except now I know he's in an ultra exclusive royal only room, so they so don't think read, read the, the palace, room. read the palace, <laughs> don't read the room. I you know. You know, we made a series, um, Finding Sarah, about the Duchess of York, Prince Andrew's wife or ex-wife. And on the one hand, it was shocking how much sort of just pre-packaged, ready-to-go hatred she was on the end of, you know? And so I, I do see that it is difficult to play this role, this, this royal role. And I think it's, James, a difficult role to play because... It's not a role you can ever kind of take off, take off or step away from. It's not like, say, if you're in drag, you can be a queen and then you can just it's it's slightly inescapable. And but it's also you there's it's so hard to, like you said, to feel sorry for these people. It which is. is what they want you to do. The whole yeah. thing is about, oh, woe is me. We have this whore, you know, we ha- we're, we're trapped in this gilded cage. But it's like, who wouldn't kill to be trapped in a, in, in a Santa Barbara mansion like that? And you know? it wasn't an arranged marriage. You know, what did Harry tell her about what she was getting into? Like, I, I they have know. they have a wonderful life. They have wonderful kids. They've got a they don't have to work. They just they, they can just raise right. their kids and, and have a lovely time. I don't know where all the the self-pity comes from. 
You know, someone said, um, actually, it's Andrew Scott on Facebook said, it's a weird narrative when people complain on camera about being on camera. Yeah. And I get that <laughs> paradox. I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to make myself watch the whole thing because I, I just I'm a completionist, maybe. But yeah. also I feel there's something I, I, I couldn't do it. I, and I'm a completionist, too. But I had to give up after three episodes. The, the second episodes I gave up. Um, I'm, a, mm. I'm a royal interruptist person, so I'm not going to watch the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Well, um, oh, and then. Surely hiding in plain sight, you know, while it's all about telling the truth and revealing who they are. I don't believe Prince Harry is Charles's son. Oh, no, 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 television no. show. That's, uh, I mean, that is the Maury. That's the Maury. Who's your daddy? You know that it's Captain James Hewlett or whatever. Is so, the right, so, so the whole but, thing like, is about being blood related to royalty. And if he's not a real royal, then what are we talking about? <laughs> but nev- it, nobody will ever, ever, ever do a DNA test on them. I know, but it's just so paradoxical that here we are in a documentary series that's revealing the truth about them. And the one thing that is staring you right in the face will never, is not revealed. It's We, we it's need DNA. A- James, go to his barber. Get a clipping of the hair. Let's go. <laughs> and there I do think go. in like, in the, in the sort of, in this sort of media saturated world that we live in, Actually, I think you can complain on camera about being on camera. I don't think it's so parrot because everything we're doing is on one sort of screen or another, right? I don't know that it's unless you choose I, not tricky. to. Unless you choose not to. Unless yeah, you that's choose true. not to. Good point, Tom. All right, let's move on. RuPaul's Drag Race season fifteen premieres exclusively. Wow presents Plus MTV as well here in the USA, of course. First episode January the sixth. It's very exciting. All right, let's it take is. a break. Blake, have you got a question for us? I do. Um, it's about season 15. Ariana Grande is going to be the special guest on MTV January 6th on our premiere for season 15. Um, as we mentioned before, Ariana was previously on the show, and it was in season 7. Who was the other guest judge that night? And that's crazy. We used to do two guest judges. Why did we work so hard? Okay. Uh-uh. <laughs> You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go ho, 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 because it's our special Christmas edition. Blake, you got a question? Yes, Ariana Grande is going to be the super special guest judge on the premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 15 on MTV January 6th. She was previously on the show in Season 7. Who was the other guest judge? I'm going to say it was either Vincent Price or Agnes Moorhead. Lillian Gish, dear. Lillian Gish and Barbara Stanwyck. I have no idea. I want to say Leslie Jordan, but I know he wasn't on that episode. Maybe Alicia Keys. It was the return of Merle Ginsburg. Oh, <laughs> oh I love Merle. Yeah, Whatever happened to Merle Ginsburg episode? The main, yeah, the, that was the main challenge. It was, oh the, the name of the episode is Rue Hollywood Stories. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's carry on with the countdown. Number seven, Tom. Number seven. I need your guys' help. Um, I saw 
for the, this is less about the review of the performance, which was amazing, and more about me being so late to the party. But are you guys familiar with Kiki and Herb? Of course. Uh, I've heard their names. I used to get them confused with Marty and Elaine, who used to, or like a uh, Stephen uh, Edie. I think that that was the point. I think they were they were yeah. doing a riff on Marty and Elaine. But Kiki and Herb were uh, San Francisco, and then like Greenwich Village queer performance artists in the '90s. And it's Kiki is uh, is Justin Vivian Bond, and Herb her company is Kenny Melman. And so they started in 92. They moved to New York. By 2007, they've been off and on. They do other things. By 2007, they, they were nominated for a Tony off on Broadway. So they've had quite a thing. I, they performed at the Orpheum Theater downtown in Los Angeles this past weekend. My friend Greg brought me. Um, and it's just, it's, I'd never seen them before. I had, I had really no reference. And can I tell you the adulation of the yes. audience? It yes. was it was you feel a little uh, pushed aside by it because clearly their message and it's it, the, this, it was a Christmas special and she's like a lounge singer. Uh, do you hear what we hear? But it is so smart. She deteriorates into alcoholism, you know, a total drunk throughout the thing. So convincingly, so beautifully. Um, she, she, they're, they're both supposed to be in their eighties is what, is what the joke is. They're these eighties has been lounge singers who, and she's a raging alcoholic and she gets progressively drunker throughout each show. And, and their backstory is so intricate and complex that I can't even begin to explain to you because I've been reading up about it, but they refer, they can go back to any period and they're like, you know, my good friend, you know, Betty Davis, you know, it's like, you know, like they really have all these things. It's incredible. The audience lapped it up. They do. Um, it's very nineties cause they will do like a lounge versions of like Nirvana songs, you know, or they do like famously they do running up that hill as a, but it is, and it's the best kind of performance art from the nineties. I kind of remember because it's also it's as camp and as rebellious and political and queer positive and queer around the you know, questioning Christianity, all that kind of stuff. It's, it is, it's touching. It is so like, it's a real performance and it really, you know, it's that thing I say and people, you laugh at me, but like, what is camp? I like, I have no idea what's camp because I just know if something's good. Hi, how are you? Elliot's making a little appearance on the wow Woo! report. Hi, Elliot. Go. Oh, that's, oh. that's how much we impressed Elliot. Hang out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, and they are very much of the, like John Cameron Mitchell Yes, Spooner. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. There's a, a bunch like Rufus Wainwright is a good friend. Um, you know, they're part of that whole group of just smart, great performers, and they have this cult following. I remember they started at Cowgirl Hall of Fame in uh in New York, and it was a very small room, and it just kept building and building and building until their farewell concert was at Carnegie Hall when they were quitting the first time. Yeah. And then from there, they went to Broadway, or the Tonys, and da, da, da. they're just fantastic. Just incredible. So I was just privileged to see them. I can't even begin to sum up how special they are and how special the night was. But uh, And the, the tour is over for now. But I have a feeling, I think they went out last Christmas and they went out the news Christmas too. My, my friend, they have a, this is, I don't know how this is going to translate, but they have a stuffed animal on the piano. And eventually they refer to it. And it's, it's the baby cow that is over 2,000 years old. It's the cow that was in the manger. 
and it ate Jesus's afterbirth. And, you know, you eat Jesus, you live forever. And so they have this cow, but they make it a really moving thing about he didn't want to be in the manger. He wants to be with us. Like they freed him and it's, <laughs> it's trippy and crazy. And I can't begin to sum it up for you, but I am so happy that I now have seen Kiki and Herb uh, live in person. If you ever get a chance, I think you should too. And, you know, Justin Vivian Bond often plays at Joe's Pubs in New York and yes. is, is a, uh, someone who you can always see in various incarnations. Right. You don't have to wait. You, you just go yeah. Google it and there's tickets. Yep. All right. Number six, James. Number six. We've talked about White Lotus ad nauseum ad infinitum on this show. We've gone on and on and on about it. And last week was the finale and it's been dissected to death on social media. But there are two scenes that I need to talk about here because they blew me away. The first was Megan Fahey as Daphne. When um, a star is born, remember that name is give her all the Tony Award. I mean, all the everything, give her every award. Well, can I just ask before you tell the story if I hear this story, will it ruin it for me? Because I have not seen the end yet. Oh, should I just stop my ears? I can just stop my ears. Um, yeah, yeah, tell the story and I'll just block my ears. Okay. Okay. Well, it's the scene when da- um when Ethan confronts Daphne and says that he thinks that um Cam and and Harper cheated on them, yes. and in that moment <sighs> she has thirty nine seconds of silence, and in those thirty nine seconds it's a master class of acting where you watch her process that information and her emotions, and you see her go from questioning it to accepting it to thinking, what am I going to do about it? To, I know what I'm going to do about There's it. There's also fire and fury underneath it. Come on, it's all. Yes, so a friend yeah, of mine yeah. said, said, quoting from Funny Girl, she got six expressions, she's got six expressions more than all the Barrymore's pulled together. Like she deleted <laughs> to every but, but it's interesting because you realize too, when you're watching it, that she's not upset about Cam. She's not upset about her husband cheating on her. That it's Harper. That she thought she had a female friend at last. And Harper's betrayal is what hurts her more than anything. And you see in that moment where she decides, I know what I'm going to do. And she's going to fuck Ethan. And she takes Ethan out onto the island. And you know they fuck. And that's why when he comes back, he can sleep with his wife again for the first time. But that scene, I have to say, where she's leading him to the island and he's sort of yes. trailing behind. And, then, and she and looks then behind and smiles. And there's one last shot of him stopped and he could turn away. And instead, he, he follows. Oh, he my follows. God. So much is said in silence. Anyway, what's the yeah. other moment? Now, the other scene, very quickly, is Cam in the bathroom brushing his teeth and flossing his teeth. And the, Daphne is on the phone with the kids. She's FaceTiming the kids. And the little blonde boy says, I want to talk to Daddy. I want to talk She's like, Cam, come say hello. Come say hello. And he, he ignores her. And you see him seething because he hates that kid. He knows that kid isn't his and he wants nothing to do with him. And he ignores her. He ignores her. And finally he goes out and he's like, hey, buddy, good to see you, buddy. And you know that he does that every single time he sees that right. kid. How, it's sort of sp- and the whole moral, it's, it's how performative we all are to some extent, right? Yes. Well, yes. we have to be to survive. We have to sort of like 
patch the feelings with performative. But, but you see what an asshole Cam is and oh, how yeah. much he just loathes that situation. But there's nothing he can do about it. There is but not. But we're all a little bit, have a little bit of asshole in us. That's what I think is fascinating <laughs> about White Lotus. It's a bit of a mirror. It's like a gross mirror. I um, I am going to miss that show so yeah. much. Yeah. I just that the community of people that watched it, the fact that we could talk about it, the fact that I was wait until six o'clock and Pacific <laughs> time that it came on. Mike White, yeah. I can't wait for the next one. Thank you for the season one and season two. Truly, in in a sea of too much content, what a joy White Lotus has been. Yeah. Fenton, you can come back. Fenton, Fenton come back. Fenton, Fenton, come back. Come back. Can I come back? Can I, yeah. Did you miss me? Not at all. So much, you probably so thought much. the shows, but yes, you're probably like, oh, well, you should block your ears more often. I all right, moving on. What's going on? Number five. No, 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 no. Answer my question. Why haven't what you watched is your question? it yet? What? Why haven't you watched it yet? What's wrong with you? It all will be revealed in number five if you let me get to it. <laughs> <laughs> number five. Number five. I want to talk about the White Lotus effect because. We obviously haven't talked about the White Lotus enough, but I missed the last. I've missed the last two episodes what? because I yeah, was I was at the Asia Television Festival in Singapore, and I I logged on to get my HBO, and damn it, they figured out how to get around the VPN, the Express VPN. So I was doing my Express VPN, and then they're like logging into HBO Max, and then they're like. We need to know where you are. You have to enable notification. Long story short, could not watch it. So I was like, ah. However, in a way, I was having my own White Lotus experience because I was staying at the Marina Bay Sands, which is this, it's the crazy, it's the hotel in the Crazy Rich Asians, you know, with the oh, boat yeah. on top, which was, was pretty amazing. Oh, and yeah. Then, oh, my God. It's gorgeous. Yes, I love oh, that hotel. It really it is. Long, Were there any? pool on top, right? Did you go swimming in the pool? It has that I super did. You go swimming, swimming in the horizon pool, whose sole existence is to take Instagram photos. Yes. Of, <laughs> with Singapore in the background. I mean, was there it, a dead body floating in it when you arrived? Well, it, I think they clean out the dead bodies before they open the pool, but I'm sure they're there every single night. There's a dead body, but it's it's a gorgeous place. And then because I'd gone all the way there, and it was it was great, and did all these meetings, and I had a friend who lives in um, KL in Kuala Lumpur. And he said, oh, well, you're here. You should come visit Kuala Lumpur. And I was like, for the weekend, I did. Because he and his boyfriend were going to stay in this um, at the beach. And they said, you should come. It's really beautiful. And so I said, okay. So I tagged along. And it's this it's this island resort. It's uh, you get in a boat and you you go out and, and you approach a private island. And it has these little... Um, rooms on stilts in the water and there are these awful gays that are trying to get your money is that what's happening and and white lotus here's where the white lotus effect comes in it just it it wasn't super duper luxury but it was nice and you get off the boat and you're greeted and i suddenly started feeling incredibly anxious and i suddenly realized that white lotus is the modern version of jaws because remember jaws you go in the ocean and you wouldn't think but after Jaws, you were just terrified. Now, anything that is vaguely nice is full of foreboding and menace. And sat down to eat a meal, and I was like, that couple there, what's the story? You know, looking around, convinced, sort of paranoid. And and there were a couple of lesbians, and then there was 
this really cute guy um, and and a, a frumpy woman. And it looked like I was thinking like, well, she's it's an arranged marriage. He's obviously gay and it's arranged marriage or and she's got all the money. Is she like an older woman with a gigolo? Well, no, no. It was definitely a honeymoon type scenario. Oh. But he was so obviously gay as a goose. I mean, looked like a model. Gorgeous. But just, you could just tell. And so then I was thinking, oh, well, she has the money and has been forced into this arranged marriage by her father, who must be the owner of the resort. I mean, everywhere you turn, there was a sort of sinister subplot. And I, I mean, I love White Lotus, but it's like, it's ruined vacation again. No more luxury for Fenton. It's Motel Sixes for Fenton from here on in. No that's yes. right. That's where you find innocence and relaxation. Uh, highway, highway rest stop hotels. <laughs> yeah, never mind every episode of the ID channel. <laughs> I can, yeah. Anyway, you can watch the first two seasons of White Lotus on HBO Max, and I'm excited to watch the last episode. And I have actually managed to avoid. I'm getting bits and pieces, but I'm managing to avoid the denouement. I don't. I don't know what happened. Wait, so, so you haven't seen the memes of Jennifer uh, Coolidge? I've seen a few things, but like I haven't been able to figure out what's going on. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, but first, watch "Making the Yuletide Gay," a very special Paul Lynn Christmas, which is on our YouTube channel. Wow presents. It's written by the amazing Bruce Valange and stars. Uh, Michael Arrington as Paul Lind, Jackie Beat as herself, Lady Bunny as herself, Spencer Day as Tap Hunter, David Hernandez as Salminio, David Macchiaco as Liberace, Jack Plotnick as Evie Harris, and Seth Rudetsky as himself. The wow. Wouldn't it have been great if Jackie Beat played Lady Bunny and Lady Bunny played Jackie uh, Maybe <laughs> next year. Uh, Blake, do you have a question? I do, and it's a holiday question. Uh, so back in the 90s, contest winner Renee Spinetto stirred up some controversy when she designed an ornament that depicted two stockings. This is in the White House. One marked Bill, and the other one marked this name. And while the stocking marked Bill was filled with candy, the one with the other name was filled with coal. And the Clinton administration hung it up on the tree without censorship. So you know it wasn't Hillary. So who was it? Oh. So, so, mm, mm. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. It's Benson here with James and Tom and Blake. You got a question, Blake? Yeah, picture it, 1992, White House. (laughs) Contest winner Renee Spinetto stirred up some controversy when she designed a Christmas ornament that the Clintons hung on their tree. It had two stockings. One of the stockings had Bill's name on it and the with candy. The other name, the stocking was filled with coal. Who was the other name? Who was the guy who was in charge of the Whitewater investigation? Kenneth um, Starr. Was it Ken, either Kenneth Starr, Newt Gingrich, or I want to say Monica, but I don't think it was Monica. Ding, ding, just, ding. It was, it was Newt Gingrich. Newt. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, done. well done. 
and they hung it in with pride in the White House on the That's street. funny. Yeah, those were the days. Those were the days when we were less divided. We are counting down the top ten things that made us go wow, and it's our last topical show before 2023. Can you believe that? Um, and we've reached number four. Number four. I watched last night um, Pelosi in the House. It's the just released documentary about Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, by her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi. Now, I have no idea what Fox News is saying about it. It's kind of genius. It's an hour and 15 minutes. That's a, that's a short period of time to talk about a career that started in the Congress in 1987. But, you know, Alexandra is a, is a, you know her, I think, Fenton. She's an accomplished documentarian. She has been following her mother around with a camera for decades. She said, I never told my mom I was t- making a film about her because she would have made me stop. So she just <laughs> had the camera with her. Do you remember during the January 6th trial? That's what Elliot was doing right there. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> Elliot has been making a film about Fenton for about five years now. It's true. But do you remember during the January 6th trials that were broadcast recently, they had that of uh, the, the footage of, 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 of uh, Pelosi with uh, Chuck Schumer and they were making phone calls during the attacks? Yeah. That was because uh, uh, Alexandra was filming. That was part of the documentary, as it turns out. Um, it's not sub- it's not objective because it's her daughter. Um, it has some great symbolism at the beginning where you just, it's a montage of her chasing after her mother. This little woman in high heels, just like, she was like, I can never keep up with her. You know, it's just like, it's, it's a metaphor for our lives. Um, it, it talks about all her accomplishments. It's good for someone like me with Swiss cheese brain just to remember our American history for the past, you know, since 1987, all the victories, the setbacks she's had, they're pretty unvarnished about talking about it. But, you know, at one point she's like, mom, you're a tough nut to crack. And she's like, what? Is that what you want to do is crack your mother? Like she is always on, but I believe that she's always like, I don't think you can be as powerful a woman. She has five children, nine grandchildren, spent a lot of time raising her children before she got into politics. I just don't believe you can have a lot of, foibles or faults or you know hidden things i think she is who she is two things really blew me away in a, in a way i didn't expect one is um there's the moment when she is speaker of the house where george w bush in his state of the union address goes i have something to say as the first president to ever say it madam speaker of the house and it brought it brings tears to your eyes, and you see that even George W. Bush understands in this historic moment. And both sides of the aisle stand up and applaud. And it wasn't that long ago, and we so you know hated George W. Bush for good, lots of good reasons. And even she says, you know, the the war in in Iran and Iraq was just um, Iraq. Excuse me, the war in Iraq was you know one of the worst decisions ever made in American history. But there was still a decorum among mm-hmm. people. Even John Boehner, when he uh, hands over the the gavel to her it just you remember when we were a country and our and our our institutions and our you know even if it's superficial and it's friendly it's like it there was a kindness and a, a decorum that is missing today which 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 really shocked me and, and it got me emotional i didn't think it would it's not meant to it just does well, wait, but it's interesting because very quickly is that i remember thinking in the 90s and early 2000s and george bush was that we have never sunk so low as a country and this is the the most you know vociferous and in you know and and but it looking back on it now, it was it was absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's and, strange to think and the last that. thing is, I realize you know I feel this way about nine eleven 
like if I see films about it, I get into, I like I realize I have sort of PTSD about it. Like it's it's something that just deeply affect affected me, even though I was very far away. And you know, I'm not trying to make it about me, but like it's still. And they go back and they show that day, and there's uh, footage you've never seen of the attack of the Capitol during the January 6th thing, and it is. It makes, I just, again, I'm shivering because it just makes you sick to your stomach and the violence and, and you know, and we had, we'd spent time in this, in this building and house, you know, speaker of the house wing and all this stuff. We'd seen it for all these different years. So this thing, and at the end, it's all been desecrated mm-hmm. and there's broken windows and, and people fearing for their lives. You know, it wasn't just like, a, oh, this is weird. It wasn't, it wasn't a blip. It was a moment where you thought we could all die. And, and, mm-hmm. and the, the, of the National Guard had had been called, but they weren't arriving. You know, it was like someone went wrong. And Nancy is this incredible person throughout it. There's also um, an elongated for this thing about the Affordable Care Act and and her counting votes. All this paper with numbers, one, two, three, four, seven. It's, it's all about gathering the votes. They have her t- on phone calls with her back to the camera, talking to people, convincing them, using whatever tactic she can to convince them to come aboard. Um, you know, it just I, I've, I've been talking about her a lot lately, but it's 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 no surprise that they put this out right now. And I, I just think people should watch it because she's an important figure in our history. And it's so important to see and recognize the accomplishment of a woman. And I love when children make documentaries about their parents because, you? because you get a yes, it's a partisan view. But at the same time, it, it is a real view in a way that like if only Harry and Meghan's kids were old enough to make the film about them. You, it would somehow be fundamentally different. Um, you know what I mean? It just yes. It has a heart. It has an interesting. about Charles, right? I mean, it would be great. Yes, to understand that it should be understood. Oh, anyway, it's called um, uh, Pelosi in the House. Yeah, Pelosi in the House on HBO. All right, number three, James. Number three. Well, I'll make this one short. I watched this morning. I got up and watched the Noel Diary on uh, Netflix. I keep watching these crappy, sappy holiday movies. And this one is, it's like a step up from a Hallmark, but not a big step up. It is, <laughs> it is really, really bad. There's a bazillion plot holes in it. It stars Justin Hartley, who I love. Justin Hartley, I've watched him since Passions. He was on Smallville for seven seasons as the Green Arrow. He is was on This Is Us for six season as um, Jack Pearson, I think. No, Kevin Pearson. He was he's the pretty blonde boy on This Is Us. You might know him, Tom. I don't know if you watched it. it seems like a I show did, you I would did. watch. I, it seems like a very Tom show. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, in this, he plays a dashing uh, spy novelist and he goes back home. His mother has just passed away and he's clearing out the house. And there's a woman who comes by and says that she was his, the daughter of his nanny when he was growing up and she's looking for his mother. So they set out on a road trip to find the mother and to find the father that he is estranged from. Blah, blah, blah. Shenanigans ensue. They fall in love. You know how it goes. Um, but I, um, if you, I don't, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it, but if you're, if you're trimming the Christmas tree and you want a TV show on, or if you're making your Yuletide dinner and you need to, something on the TV, put it on and just refer to it once in a while. What attracts you to movies like that? What made you click on it? Because I'm just an old sap at heart. I'm just an old softy. It's, it's true. And I like a pretty boy. I'll watch a pretty boy do anything, basically. And the thing is that 
it's like I said, there's a bazillion plot holes in it and there's an ending that doesn't make any sense at all. But there's like this sort of nice rhythm to it where they have like these dinners and they're in the car together. And there's just some nice banter back and forth. And it's just very soothing and very holiday. And Honey, I watch PVC. You don't have to apologize to me for, 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 for like warm TV. Do you decorate, James? Do you decorate your place for Christmas? I have not decorated this year. Some years I do, and this year I have not. But I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I haven't, I'll be going to New Hampshire for Christmas, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to glom onto my brother and sister's decorations. Yeah, my, but, sister, uh, my sister goes all out, so I'll just go over there. All right. Well, that is not Net, James's net. James is not Netflix pick, right? Is the Noel Diary. Pick it or don't pick it. I don't give a crap. <laughs> right, right, right. Number two. Number two. Just to sort of wrap up my uh, White Lotus experience. Um, so I went at this massage thing and I had a, 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 I had a massage at this resort. I was so tired after the massage. I thought I'd been drugged. I literally could not keep my eyes open. So I fell asleep for like 12 hours. Next day, get up and say, you've got to eat durian fruit. Have you ever eaten durian fruit? Is, what what is does it? it look like? Tell, I think it is I know the king is. of fruits. It is known is as the king of fruits. Is the huge it is one? a melon-sized thing with spikes on it. Yes, yes. And it grows on a big tree. And in fact, you wait for it to fall off the tree. And if you're going to harvest them, you have to wear a, a construction helmet. Because the thing will fall on your head and it will crack your skull open. It is so vicious. But the thing about the durian fruit is its smell. It is supposed to smell like a cross between raw sewage and um, a rotting corpse or a cheesy sock. And this this thing about the smell is is serious. Like you can't eat it in hotel rooms. Uh, Airplanes ban it. Because the smell is so pungent and pervasive. It, in fact, a plane had to land because they had durian fruit in the cargo hold and everybody on the plane was like passing well, out. Wait a minute. I, is, does the ta- is the taste very strikingly different than the smell? Is that what, what well, you're here to tell you us? Know, I was convinced I was about to meet my death. Let's get this right first. You know, so against my better judgment, I agree to eat the durian fruit. And they open it up and it looks like internal organs. Like, sort of yellow and orange sort of waxy sort of pod you have to put on plastic gloves and you pick it up and you put it in your mouth and it it's sort of like custard or mushy it's not like a fruit that's got sort of texture it's mushy it's and it's actually quite delicious it actually is quite nice um is it is it very expensive? Why is it why is it so why do we not have like durian ice cream or durian? Because it smells like shit. Exactly. It is the the odor is really pungent. You know, like when cheese has just gone too far. It's like it's not cheese anymore, it's some sort of rotten sludge. That is this. It has the most pungent, distinctive thing. And you put on the rubber gloves and you eat it. And The other weird thing is it's a little like, it's not alcoholic, but it tastes like it has fermented. You know, it's sort of stewing in its own overripeness. This is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) What? Is it good for your digestion? Does it make you poo? What happens? I love it in in Faris. They just adore it. It's a luxury. It's But it is something of an acquired taste. And apparently, after you've eaten it, your body heats up because it's so full of sugar and sort of fermented stuff, and you sort of burp, like, you know, sort of, 
it's it's i let me tell you it's an experience and um but i ate the durian fruit and i survived and um i'm here to tell you about it Maj almost killed you durian fruit kept you alive well i will tell you that there is durian fruit at ralph's on the ralph's right by you on la brea and third i've seen it there so maybe we should have a durian tasting party if we ever do if we ever do parties again but we have to do it outside because the the it, it smells well, something. It, it sounds like we'll it around and say there's there's durian in the alley. Go into into the alley and eat your durian. There you go. Because it sounds like the whole experience puts you one step closer to being a true cannibal. There, I said it. <laughs> yes, it does have an sort of element of that. So, yes. All right. Um, let's take one more break. Watch the latest season of World of Wonders, Million Dollar Listings, Los Angeles. It's right now on Peacock. Uh, new episodes every Thursday on Bravo. And then the next day it's on Peacock. You can catch up. And it's a great season. really is. Yeah. When we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing that made us go wow. And you're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. It's our last topical episode of the year. And we've been counting down the top 10 things, and we've reached number one. Number one. I don't know if you guys have been following Michelle Obama's on social, but she, I think, is just wrapped up in Los Angeles this week with Oprah. You know, she's doing a book tour. She has her new book, and she gets a different, like, all-star person, Stephen Colbert, Tracy Ellis Ross, Gail King, Oprah Winfrey, to interview her. It's, it's, uh, uh, she did it with her last book. The difference this time is her fashion. And I thought I was the only one noticing it, but the New York Times came out with an article. And Michelle Obama, who is like my age, so she's pushing 60, looks amazing, always beautiful, always uh, uh, a first lady who pushed fashion forward, right? Is now just, has no fucks left to give, is just dressing comfort. Her hair is braided, which she talked about, you know, in like big swoops of braids. She'll wear up, she'll wear down. She looks beautiful. And she's wearing pants most of the time. Crazy designers whose names I don't even know. Bright colors, weird fabrications. And it's for a minute, for a minute, it feels controversial to me because it's like, well, that's not what I'm, and I have to stop myself mid-sentence because it's like, good for you, Michelle. Live your life. Be beautiful. 60 isn't what it used to be. Being a first lady is what it used to be. And she talks about, in uh, about how when she, you know when she was first lady, she she purposely kept her hair straight. She goes, you know, that burden of like, oh, it's enough. I'm the first black lady, and we're the first black couple. Let's not test the people too much. And now, you know, the longer that she's out of office, the more she can express herself, and it's kind of spectacular to see. I was the New York Times did a huge article about her fashion um, renaissance, and it was behind a paywall, so I wasn't able to read it, oh. but. Um, but the I've been seeing enough pictures online where it is it's your first reaction is Laura Bush wouldn't dress like this. No, you know, no, no, Nancy no. Reagan would not be dressing like this. Barbara Bush does not dress like this. Uh, but she it has carved out her own place in fashion history and she can wear these colors. She can wear these shapes. She has that body yaddy yaddy. She has those arms and the muscles and she just she looks great in everything she wears. And I'm all for it. I think that she had this little denim pantsuit that was like Justin Timberlake and Britney. It was. She looks like a rock star. She looks like a rock yeah, star. She, is, she, she is a rock star. She is a rock star first lady, and yeah. I am totally here for it. Do you think, in a way, history is sort of 
not passed her by um but do you think you know she's underestimated in in a sense like you know and in in maybe in the same way that Hillary Clinton has been that under the and that these are great women who well i i think that that she, her detractors were so loud during their during the, obama's presidency that it sort of drowned out a little bit some of the greatness that that she could the shine that she could have had and that mm-hmm. is a shame I'll probably get cancer for this, but you think about Michelle, because I heard her talk about this the last time she did her book tour. I've lived in a, she's talked about how she lives in a world full of hypocrisy her whole life, how she mm-hmm. woke up every morning in the White House in a house that was built by slaves. And she goes, if I let that tear down my hope, my belief, my faith in the future, she goes, I'd have nothing. She goes, you can't let the hypocrisy get you down. And even, you know, she realizes there's ups and downs in life. And that's the weird thing about, Harry and Meghan. It feels like right now the messaging is very victimy instead of like, how do we overcome this? Or how do yeah. we take what we've ha- happened to us and learn? Maybe they're not there yet. But um, anyway, Michelle's I would have liked amazing. Harry and Meghan more if it had been less less fucks to give, and they were just like they were going to burn down the the royal family and just. It's, it's very confusing. It. Yeah, they're very wishy washy. Well, well, I think it's maybe a fact of just being young and and like I. The, well, no, know, because when we, you're we, young, you aren't supposed to have any fucks. That's is the older you get, the more fucks you have. Yeah, it feels very packaged. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they should they should be more punk rock, is what they should be. That's it. They need to start a band with Michelle Obama. That's it. I That's definitely it. do remember. I love what you just said, Tom, about Michelle because I remember saying to Tammy Faye. I remember saying to Tammy Faye, "You, you know, you've been so ridiculed, so you know." How come it didn't make you bitter? I mean, because that's the takeaway is like, James, to concur with what James you're saying. James being bitter. Having, James being bitter. Having, whereas is no, so not bitter. James, sweetheart. It's about your point about having no fucks to give is very well taken. It's like <laughs> the idea that you that the world can throw a lot of shit at you and Michelle and Tammy Faye. And if, if only Harry and Meghan could just rise above it or, 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 or sort of like uh, transcend it is, is yes. Right? I mean, yeah. But thumbs up. Check out Michelle Misa- Michelle Visage. Michelle, she looks like Michelle Visage. That's the breaking news. I'll leave it at that. Thanks. That's all we got time for this week. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Wishing you all very happy holidays. Same time, same. Same time, same place next week for our holiday special. And then what is it after that, Blake? Our, our year-end special. Our year-end special. Right, so we got a holiday <laughs> special and a year-end special. There we go. Thanks for listening this year. So deeply appreciated. Same time, same place next year. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. 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 wow.